loves murdering. He That's loved like, murder. He can act like he did. He was out there just like, yeah, let's rip yeah. out these organs out of living people yeah. who are unanesthesiated or anything. Yeah. Like. Hey, you over there. Yeah? Guess what? You wanna talk spooky stuff? Okay. Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm Gabe. You're a ghoul. Sure am. Wow, same. What brings you here next to me? I'm kinda over humanity. Yeah, people are trash. Just like our bodies. You know there's a lot to say. About how medium is me Like there's a more to every story Exactly! It's fascinating! We could make a show A show? And we'll let everybody know Use our brains Brains? No, not to eat, to educate Oh, okay Yeah, I guess you could say We're, we're the, the ghouls next, next door, door. Hi, I'm Kat. <laughs> and I am Gabe. And, and we're, we're the Ghouls, the ghouls next, next Door. Talking about spooky stuff. As we do, man. And musical stuff. We do it in song now. It's musical. <laughs> yeah. Surgery. Surgery. Yeah, surgery. Like surgery. surgery. Uh, we look ridiculous, or at least I look ridiculous. I'm, I... So we did the opposite thing. We're like that time where you came downstairs and we were about to record and I was just blue. Mm -hmm. um, you did that, but you're blue, except you're not. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. committed. And I was like, it's a normal goth time. I got goth. <laughs> I, I was gothic-esque. I was punk-esque in high school. I can do that. We did the roaring 20s. Yeah, we did. Um, to... Welcome 2020, back when we thought it was going to not be a bad time. Yeah. Um, it, you committed. It That's what I'm saying. That's I did, the, yeah. When, so we're, we started our horror musicals time. Mm -hmm. uh, and here. when I thought of horror musicals, I immediately thought of one Rocky Horror Picture Show, which we're not going to cover. Mm -hmm. uh, but Repo, the genetic opera. I was like, that we have to, like, it's, it's horror beyond a doubt and yeah. it's it's like it's a rock opera it's a rock bra and it does <laughs> i was do like that. also we need a break from all of the really traumatic things that we've had to go over we're it turns out we're not free no break <laughs> it's still happening but i was like how fun are musicals and we can dress up we can be yeah. really ridiculous and then it, it feels less bad maybe yeah, I promise degree. for the next one, I got you. I, I think. mean, maybe. True. Okay. We don't Fair. know. It's always something. Yeah. The, I mean, <laughs> every time uh, we're going to be covering Repo, the Genetic Opera, which is an absurd film musical. In I would say, in by no means a good one. Yeah, it's saying stuff. Um, mm -hmm. kind of, but it's like, it's uh, the movie one was interesting. That's my nice way of saying it was bad. Yeah. Um, but the music Gabe, you said was not 
so bad if you just listen to the soundtrack. That was fun. Yeah. I listened to the music outside of the film because the film, it hurt. And all <laughs> it was like <laughs> yes, painful it to watch and listen to because it's like nonstop. But when you're just listening to it, because I was like reading all these reviews and people were like, oh, I listen to that like when I'm just like driving or I'm on like a road trip. I was like, really? Why would you do that? And then I was listening. I was like, no, okay, these are just solid rock songs. Like I honestly would have listened to this in high school, which is why when I watched this in high school, I thought it was cool. Mm -hmm. It's very uh, high school game type of uh, film. Yeah. And musical. Grunge aesthetic sad and mad yeah Um, edgy and (laughs) we live in a society (laughs) you know like that kind of energy which is great um yeah so we're as we do we're going to uh dive into the film and kind of what was going on in this musical maybe dissect a song uh or so and then Kat will talk about the core issues of the film uh which is in that there's repossession of organs and so we'll talk about the bigger picture here in regards to health and Mm health care and the fact that we aren't that far from this (laughs) grunge future uh dystopia that they've given us yeah it's arguably okay it's like sort of dystopian in that we already don't care about human bodies now mm-hmm. we we already value money more than people now so it's like yeah there's slightly less pollution cool um, is there organ <laughs> need is not in like the millions true so that's it isn't that's good it's not like widespread like a lot of people need organs don't get yeah. me wrong um but it is not to the extent that the film prefaces, which is that, like, everybody, it's, like, basically a yeah. need for everybody. Um, also, like, we don't have the capacity to give out organs as mm-hmm. easily either, so it's not like we're just handing them out mm-hmm. and then can repossess them. Like, it's very, yeah. like, the horror is that you're on a list. A list, Until yeah. you die. And that's like that. Mm-hmm. And that's if you, if whatever it is you need is a list option. Yeah. And if you can afford it. Yeah, no, it's super real. And I would say we do, we do, we 100% (laughs) do. Um, And I guess in terms of like what this film was originally trying to target in terms of like the plastic surgery industry and like kind of big pharma, Mm -hmm. um, it it was saying that stuff, like plastic surgery is more not necessary, but accessible kind of thing in terms of if you have money people do do that they take they take advantage of the fact that you can buy your nose or your butt or whatever you decide you want your body to be different now um but i don't think there's like a episode on on body mods yeah and how it can be toxic but also there are Mm -hmm. benefits to it as well in this case it's definitely toxic yeah um and not not very far off yeah a lot and honestly None of this seems like that far fetched, other than mm-hmm. like the singing and that there's like seven people in this whole world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they all sing the same, just many songs at one time. Yeah, all the songs, um, all of them are bad. We never talk to each other. It's just singing. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, let's get into this film so you can find out why you don't have to watch it, or you can just for kicks. Honestly. Yeah. 
If you're if if you don't have like audible triggers where you're like you want to die because music is really bad, then you should watch it because yeah. it's great. Um, and that it's bad. Uh, <laughs> so we watched Repo, the genetic opera, which is from 2008. What a time, 2008. Mm -hmm. (laughs) think about me in 2008 I was like yeah I watched this for sure Um, (laughs) and and, uh, what I'll find too is that like there's a lot of like in the uh, reviews and stuff I was looking at there's a bunch from like last year and this year where everyone was like this film is now. (laughs) This is is relevant to us. We all feel this way. Actually it's a hidden gem. How did you miss it? Uh, And the truth is you didn't you, you didn't miss anything, is the truth. Sorry, my lips are all crazy. Okay, so Repo, the genetic opera, what is it about from 2008? A worldwide epidemic encourages <laughs> a biotech company to launch an organ financing program similar in nature to a standard car loan. The repossession clause is a killer, however, and it is directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman. Um, it, it's an interesting concept, uh, organ repossession like that itself is is alluring and interesting Mm -hmm. uh and it's not too far-fetched from our current medical insurance industry uh and just the way that our government is set up like and just how we view wellness um so i can i can totally see the allure and why people are uh, drawn to a premise like that and honestly i would i feel like this film would be even better if it actually covered this topic a bit more. Mm-hmm. It is saying more than you think on the surface, but it also isn't saying enough. <laughs> I was like, why is this what it's about? Yeah. Um, but it's also a rare goth musical. Uh, like I said, a rock opera. It's, there are opera songs in it, uh, but it's a lot of rock. Uh, just angst. There's just, yeah, lots of angsty teenager in it. Um, I worked, first watched this film in high school. 2008 uh after a pirate told me about it in the flea market yeah (laughs) that's amazing yeah that's that's amazing yeah i'm from florida so it makes sense yeah (laughs) uh but yeah there was a pirate he didn't work there he just always would show up every weekend as a pirate and he was like you're a quirky kid you probably would like this and i was like yeah 100% I do. Like, he definitely, (laughs) like, is the person who probably idolized the grave robber, like, Mm. aesthetically. Um, So I was like, this is cool. I don't remember how I saw it. I think I had to illegally download it because, like, where else would I have gotten this film? Uh, And I really loved the aesthetics of it and, like, the angst and, like, yeah, the society is messed up and like this mm-hmm. is everything that I've always imagined uh and I think you know Boozen like created this piece thinking of these oddball kids that at the time I kind of saw myself as um and in an interview uh on filmmaker magazine uh with the director, uh, he explains that the movie appeals to the fringe. It appeals to the gothy outside the box crowd, the gay crowd, the theater crowd. And I agree yeah. <laughs> in that it is absolutely ridiculous. There's a very obvious uh, audience that it's it's working towards. And if those people are watching it, they like it. 
mm-hmm. anyone else is like, what is this? But it's the same res- like response you'd get if you're just listening to their music or you're look you see them like mm-hmm. on the street. Like, why do they do their hair like that? Like, cause it's expression. Um, and like I said, in articles and reviews that I looked up, it, there's a strong cult following of people who really love it, like are diehard fans, um, and a lot of people who are rediscovering it. Um, mm-hmm finding that it's like tones and themes hit a bit harder in today's dystopian world and especially now when we're in the midst of a pandemic and we are quarantined to some degree and have this kind of distance um and this idea of like uh medical things not being readily accessible or being detrimental and life altering Mm -hmm. like that's on everyone's mind (laughs) right now so it's and you know the fact that we have people who are like taking horse medicine just because like I don't think it's too far to think that people would be taking a drug that was from deceased bodies in a graveyard if it made them feel good yeah (laughs) it's not very far off um in an article that I found on film cred uh titled repo the genetic opera is the hot mess America deserves right now by Emma Ambrose they say the um, uh, the Repo Man is a pure personification of terror of living in a state where insurance is given only at the behest of corporations and medical infrastructure is foregone in the name of overfunding an already bloated military and police budget. Uh, yeah, none of us are free from this horror, uh, Zunjik continues, because long ago we all fell into depth. That's the... Um, Grave rapper. Uh, mm-hmm. With this song, the Repo Man is presented as an inhuman slasher of predatory capitalism. If you cannot pay in cash, you will pay in blood. Uh, and I feel like it really hits the nail in the coffin in that mm-hmm. <laughs> it, 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 that's exactly what we're living in right now. Like, uh, when we first pitched this idea, I was like, it, there's a clear, like, as far as our show goes, it's a very clear line of like, mm-hmm. here's the film, it's fun, it's gory, whatever, we could talk about it. But also, it's real. Like, this is real stuff that we have to deal with. Um, and so uh, I was excited to kind of jumpstart <laughs> the facts yeah. kind of area with this one. Um, I will say that my biggest gripe with this musical is that I wish it, it this part was more focused on in it um it kind of turns into like a family drama mostly or just like a lot of possession of women actually that i'll kind of go into when we get into spoiler territory um but others felt the same which is why i imagine the film repo men with jude law was made because it's the same premise it's just a film and not a musical and it's just mm-hmm. about that like where he's going and he's re- repossessing them um mm-hmm. there's a song that really just like sums it up pretty succinctly <laughs> and, uh it's kind of like the song for the film called 21st century cure uh and it i will play the song here industrialization has crippled the globe Nature failed as technology spread. And in this wake, a market erected. An entire city built on top of the dead. And you. 
can finance your bones and your kidneys. For every market, a submarket grows. But best you be punctual with making your payments. Lest it be you on the concrete below. Mm. That's it. I yeah, it did. It. Um, from a musical perspective, it clearly appeals to a certain audience. Yes. <laughs> is, a nice, is a nice way to say how it is. Um, looking online, I found a lot of people who really, really love the soundtrack. Like I said, like just listen to it outside the film on drives. I was listening to it, and there's some pretty decent ones in there. There's awful ones in there as well, like the songs with, the, with um, Roti's kids. Mm. They're just very bad at singing, <laughs> so it's not good. Uh, any also roti is not very good. But anytime um, you, we have like Shiloh or uh, Nathan or even mm-hmm. Blind Mag who are singing, it's actually pretty decent. Uh, <laughs> um, and there's actually a lot of diehard fans who recreate the the musical every Halloween, similar to uh, re, um, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like people mm-hmm. will dress up and come in and, and kind of play along with the film. Yeah, because it's it kind of brings a, an environment for that, encourages that. Um, and we didn't really love it <laughs> when we were yeah. watching. It is kind of hard and. There's never a breath of fresh air. Uh, it is almost constantly singing. There's never a time when someone just talks, which is not how musicals work usually. Like, people usually do talk. At some point, yeah. Yeah, and it just wasn't that. Um, but, honestly, it's the soundtrack isn't too far from what I was listening to at the time. So, I was yeah. like, this definitely appeals to people. And there's a lot of people who don't grow out of that music. That's just, like, what they listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was... For us, it kind of felt like just pure noise and annoyance. Uh, there's, like, keys, rhythm, motivation, change, like, several times per song. Yeah. And there's, like, p- like character choices, like, with Shiloh, because she's, like, the teenager that she does this, like, whiny voice all the time. She's like, yeah. didn't you? Didn't you? Um, <laughs> I'm 17. I'm not 16 anymore. That's, like, literally a song. was wild thinking is that that is not incorrect in your <laughs> depiction um, 17 because i'm not like, anymore yeah i think you characterized it really well in that like there are lots of people who didn't grow out of their phase of liking music that is that and i am not one of those people i definitely <laughs> I used to love that stuff. You know what I mean? Like all I listened to is that. And then I got older and I stopped 
and now I don't enjoy it as much. And that's just what it is. It's just the reality of life now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think we maybe just grew out of our emo faces. Um, like our, par- our parent might have said, like, it's just a phase. They're going to grow out of it. And we're like, no, we're punk for life. Uh, and then we did. Uh, but some <laughs> yeah. people didn't. And it's people who didn't love it. And that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's totally cool. It, yeah. I just, some of the songs, totally great. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly enjoy The Grave Robber. Um, yeah, I same. I surgeries. I hate it. But at the same time, like, the rest of it is fine. Shy, just every time. Like, she do, there are a few songs where they let her sing, and she does mm-hmm. a good job. But there's uh-huh. so often where they're just like, you have to be whiny little girl. And she's like, all right. And she did. I mean, she gives like, Dad. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Shiloh, go to bed. Like, whatever. She does that whole song where she's just like, Shiloh, you're sick and going to die. Shiloh, I'm the doctor. Shiloh, I'm your father. Oh, Shiloh, that was close. Take your medicine. I'm infected. Uh, and it's like, they mean teenagers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was just kind of, I think it's exhausting because it never lets you breathe. And because the songs changed like I couldn't keep up and Mm -hmm. some people just could not sing it's like such a weird like range of people who can sing and can't sing uh which is it's fun like I think that gives it a little quirkiness to it but it also Mm -hmm. makes it a little disorienting um surprisingly I think the best person that could sing was Giles from Buffy which I'll explain um Mm -hmm. who's the director uh Actually became friends with James Wan, Saw, Conjuring, uh, and Lee Wannell, Saw, Invisible Man, uh, mm-hmm. who asked him to asked Bozeman to direct uh, Saw 2, and mm. then 3 and 4. So wow. was, like, really in it, had his, had his own film um, before that, and it was, like... He, he just really loved this idea and was trying very hard to make it happen. Uh, he usually, he originally wrote it as a play, and it was performed in New York and Los Angeles. He ended up financing 90% of this film. Wow. On his own. Yeah. He had guerrilla marketing techniques of handing out flyers to college students and <laughs> eventually got the, the information out there. Like, people did find out. Um, in that same interview with Filmmaker Magazine, uh, Busman described the the promotion tactics <laughs> he worked on, and it was, uh, he says, basically, it's myself and two other people doing it. We run the website, we print out flyers every night, every single day I'm online on chat rooms, talking to people about the movie. This isn't Liongate. Lionsgate doing it this is us uh so he's just out there working real hard on this like passion project that he's had for forever and with this limited budget um they (laughs) and company had to get really creative which is why they implemented that like comic book style work that you see throughout to help tell the story like it opens with that Mm -hmm. um a parts of the story unfold where you're seeing flashbacks by way of of uh comic books and mm-hmm. i think the world that they built is so unique it's very grunge and punk punk rock um and as penny pinching savvy filmmakers ourselves i can give them a bit of credit for their creativity um mm-hmm. like the songs and plot might not be wonderful or <laughs> very good yeah. even but i did enjoy the costuming and the overall like vibe 
of the film. Like For it, sure. it was very true to nature. Uh, it felt like in a, po- a post-apocalyptic grunge world where organs are repossessed, like without mm-hmm. a doubt. <laughs> you know, it was like, it, and for that, it's like very enjoyable too. Um, and so because of that limited budget, like Bozeman in that interview explains like so, some of the things that they had to do to compensate for not having the money to do all the mm-hmm. things they wanted. So he said, that's why we went with the comic book look. We knew that we were not going to have the money to do things real. So we embraced being crazy and weird. We embraced looking cheesy. There's a scene in the movie where Anthony Head is cutting someone who's strapped to a chair and all these people around him are singing. Well, that set is plastic. We ran out of money. We had this big song to shoot. And so the production designer said, all I got, Darren, is plastic. But it works for the movie that we're in a plastic room. It looks cool. And honestly, you can't really tell. <laughs> like, in that, like, scene, I know exactly the scene he's talking about. And they're, like, telling him he has to, like, kill this person. And the, the um, Jen turns mm-hmm. who are in those small white dresses with their weird glasses are, like, singing. Um <laughs> as it is Mm -hmm. um very interesting but super low budge but because of that i think it gives a little authenticity of like if you're you're aiming for those theater kids like Mm -hmm. theater kids would have made that set you know like theater kids would have made those outfits and really brought them to life um the eclectic cast includes Paris Hilton, Alexa Vega, Spy Kids, uh, Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who's the Anthony character, uh, Anthony Head, <laughs> in that mm-hmm. quote, um, Sarah Brightman, who is Blind Mag and an actual performer, <laughs> and they didn't know that they were going to get her, but she was like, this sounds fun, and a real punk rock star named Ogre of Skinny Puppy, who plays Pavi, the face-stealing son of Jinko's Roti, um, mm. who wears like ladies' faces. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's, his name is Ogre. He's from a punk rock band. Uh, and I think it's so funny because he's not even really in it. But he's mm-hmm. a very interesting character. Uh, the film follows this odd course of characters through the post-apocalyptic landscape. Alexa Vegas Shiloh uh, inherited a nondescript blood disease from her mom, hence genetic opera. Uh, mm-hmm. She cries and rages against her teenage angst. Uh, in remorse of her inherited condition. Uh, Her mother is long dead, died when she was born, and her father, the head repo man, Giles, believes he killed her while trying to cure her. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's overprotective of Shiloh because she's sick. Um, Mm -hmm. She's really upset because she's sick. She can't leave the house. (laughs) Um, And meanwhile, uh, Jinko's creator, Roti, who's the one who, like, owns everything, uh, is ill and dying. And even his, like, all the stuff he's made can't save him. And Mm -hmm. he is dismayed because all of his kids are awful, and he doesn't want any of them to inherit Jinko. One is super angry, violent, murderous, and misogynistic, abusive to women. Like, he has a line in a song that's like, he'll screw any hole, and if there isn't one, he'll make one. Which is very gross. Uh, There's the other one who's obsessed with stealing and wearing uh, women's faces. It's Pavi. He kind of looks like Handsome Jack from Borderlands, if you've ever played. Uh, And then lastly is Paris Hilton's Amber Sweet, who is obsessed with surgery. Surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, And by extension, addicted to the drug Zydrate that comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? A little little glass glass vial. vial. (laughs) 
loves a lot of that. Um, yeah, so she's like obsessed with plastic surgery and has a great scene where her face falls off. Mm-hmm. Like phenomenal. Uh, I love like we need to put Paris Hilton in more things. Um, again, I know, loved her in uh, House of Wax. Love her in mm-hmm. every day, everything she's in. She's also pretty smart. Uh, in an article on CBR titled Repo, The Genetic Opera is a Whole 2020 Mood by Brenna Cole. Um, they draw some troubling comparisons to our present day woes, saying Roti Largo is also a charming but sinister businessman who has capitalized on tragedy to become famous, wealthy, and powerful. He doesn't actually care about the people his company purports to help, but he nonetheless convinces his beloved humanitarian worthy of respect. He's great at putting on a show for people to distract from the horror, chemical dependency, financial extortion, and murder that his corporate regime enables even in the midst of a health crisis. He's also surrounded by his unqualified and demonstrably demonstrably, uh, problematic children and an endless slew of yes-men willing to say and do whatever he wants, which is uncomfortably reminiscent of a certain political figure, um, mm. which is I made I the wonder s- who. same connection when we Who's were under watching. The mask? <laughs> yeah, oh, guess who it is? Um, I made that same connection when we were watching Cat when I was mm-hmm. like, uh, the ca- uh, Roti has this campaign that he created for Amber Sweet, where he was like, she's gonna save children or something, and it very mm-hmm. much felt like Ivanka Trump, uh, and I was like, or even a uh, Melania. I was mm-hmm. like, this is, and she didn't show up because she's addicted to doing plastic surgery. Surgery. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, now it's like a tick. Um, mm-hmm. Cole goes on to highlight how uh, Shiloh, the angsty teenagers, quarantine hits a bit close to home nowadays. And after over a year of pandemic fears, the lyrics, I want to go outside, outside feels a bit too real um Mm -hmm. she says she's standing at her window staring out at the post-apocalyptic city around her while months of quarantine are less severe than a lifelong quarantine this year has been full of social distancing and isolation the likes of which have taken a mental toll on many people standing at the window watching things some of them horrific go on is a sight that many people are dealing with today uh not very far (laughs) from reality um and so I like I get like I was saying the the beginning song where she's like crying about her um, illness and it's mm-hmm. I was like this song is about cat because it says I'm affected by your genetics uh, <laughs> and I don't think that I could be fixed. I'm infected by your genetics. I'm infected, infected by your genetics, and I don't think that. Uh, but sh- that's the same song where she's like, I want to go outside, outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, grass- and the cat was like, I don't want to go outside. So this song yeah. isn't about me. <laughs> this song isn't about me. I love to be inside. <laughs> I don't want to go out there. The threat of outside is yeah. terrifying. It's I'm scary. like, I'm like, honestly, the dad, I was not that he should be doing what he was doing. <laughs> But, like, I'm not going to do that to anybody else. But for yeah. myself, I'd be like, yeah, all right, cool. I'm just going to stay in this room, live my life. I'm sure yeah. teenage me probably would have felt different. But adult and if, me? like, if that's all your life, you yeah, you don't even know what different. you're missing out on. And you're like. That's very real. Dang. <laughs> yeah. wanna, like, and you don't have a choice. I think that's the biggest thing is that she doesn't have a choice. And it's not even her 
fault. Right? Mm-hmm. It's her parents. Her mom mm-hmm. was like, I'm sick, you're sick now. Um, my genetics. Oh, I want to go outside, outside. Uh, and then she sings her song about being 17 and she's not 16 anymore and that means something. Uh, <laughs> remember when that meant something? Yeah. Age. Ugh. In reality, it doesn't, though. It really doesn't. It's still time. child. Yeah, you're still a baby. child time. Um, but she's 17 now, so it means something. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm going to enter spoilers section just for like a blip. Uh, I don't think you really will care. It's not like the biggest reveal in the world. And some of this is revealed pretty early. It's just mm-hmm. like, just to put it out there in case just so you're you know. Like, I don't want to get spoiled. I get it. But it's also, mm-hmm. like, not that deep. This film is not that deep. Uh, <laughs> so entering spoilers section, you can pause, go watch it. It's very long and a lot of songs. All songs. Don't, you might you love don't it. have to do it. Um, but I would suggest just listen to this and then go in and watch it because then you'd be like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so spoilers, uh, Giles did not kill Shyla's mom. Uh, turns out Jean Co's Roti killed her because she used to be engaged to him, and I guess that is a reason. Mm-hmm. That's a good enough reason, I guess. Uh, that never comes out. <laughs> Giles never learns that. Like, mm-hmm. he dies thinking that he killed he her, her, and that's yeah. it. Like, that's not the growth that we have. Um, anyway, if you think that means Giles can be redeemed and isn't so bad despite his obvious joy from organ repossession murder... You'll be disappointed to find out that he's got a bad case of Munchausen by proxy and has been poisoning mm-hmm. Shiloh since birth to keep her inside. Inside. Uh, and that's sad. Um, yeah. Hell he sad. Also, oh, my God. <laughs> he, like, and he works so hard to be like, I'm begrudgingly doing this. Like, all the songs yeah. are like, I don't want to do this job. I have to because he's blackmailing me. Like, he says, like, remember what you did to your wife. If you don't kill for me, then you do. Like, and also, like, he's the only repo man. He's not. There's others. He's just, yeah. like, the head repo man. Shiloh doesn't know he's a repo man till the end. Uh, but even still, like, he has those songs where he's like, I don't want to do this. And then you're watching him like rip a spine out of somebody and he's like ha 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 yes I have power now and I was like ugh he (laughs) loves murdering he loved murder he can act like he did he was out there just like yeah let's rip out these organs out of living people who are un- anesthesia or anything yeah. like no, just they're just gonna awake. die which is not a very practical thing because it's like yeah we're there's other organs out, in there yeah like right we're loaning out organs they can't pay it back so we take the organ back but now they're dead so they can't even try to get more organs to loan us mm-hmm. also like if we're killing all these people like where does the money come from I guess it goes to the xyrate that they're able to harvest from the dead people because that's where they get it from. I don't know. Yeah, but, like, if no one can pay, then no one is paying. Yeah. (laughs) So what is the, what? It seems like a very short-term window of opportunity. Like, maybe Roti's like, I'm not going to be alive to deal with this mess. Yeah. So we're just going to do, it's the lifespan of one man who didn't start doing this till he was an adult. Yeah. So it's definitely like a lot of damage, a lot of horrible. What's wild though, too, 
it's a nice reflection on the damage that one human being can do to the world Mm -hmm. with the power of money that they don't need or should not have. And is like his thinking also of like his family who inherit it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. and like Amber Sweet's gonna make a mess. She yeah. got it, but she's gonna make a mess. She's addicted to this stuff. Um this whole film is a lot of men trying to control women in some way or another. Uh and that's really upsetting. <laughs> yeah. And I and like as I was like going through, I was like, oh, every single one. Uh Blind Mag is indebted to Jean Co for giving her eyes. She's been blind since birth, but since having eyes equals sings good, she has yeah. them on loan. <laughs> uh and she and all she needs to do is be their opera singer for life. Uh, and opera is really cool because Roti is Italian and they're like, everything Italian is cool now. Um, but, uh, steep price, but not for fame or the ability to see, I guess. Uh, also, brief aside, how horrible is it to be named disability first? Like, yeah, what? rude. Like, also, she's not blind anymore. She can see with her Jinko eyes. So it's just a mess. There's no reason. It, yeah. It's, her it's name like is a just lot mad. of just, it's stupid. It's it's insulting. <laughs> it's a yeah. big problem. But they own her, and she has that whole song where she's like, take back your eyes, I'd rather be blind. Eyes, I would rather be blind. Um, and it's like, yeah, I think she would have always wanted to be that anyway. She only did it because her best friend was dating this guy. And why? Mm-hmm. I don't like the mom either because she seems sketchy. Uh, Amber yeah. Sweet is addicted to Zydrate. Um, and Kat brought up an interesting point in when we were watching it and the fact that like her dad owns that. So why does she have to go and like sell herself to get it? Uh, she should just be able to get it. Um, yeah, and he doesn't seem to care very much about her. So no, like, he it's doesn't. not even yeah. like there's a consequence, you know? Like, yeah, even like gonna when be she, mad. When he's she, already like, mad. Her face is all messed up. She gets like mm-hmm. watched, and he's like, "You're hideous. You're not in my jeans anymore." Yeah, that's, that's so rude. Uh, she is constantly following and catering to the grave robber. She hints a few times that she might do other things to pay, even though she has infinite money. Honestly, she has all the money <laughs> in the society. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Uh, but she's, like, uh, you know, addicted to that, and so therefore it has to do what men want to get it. All the other women in this film are murdered. Like, there's so many scenes where they're just stabbed where mm-hmm. organs are removed or even in the like uh there's like that awful like it's part good the testify song is like part good there's parts of it like the beginning was good and then there's a middle where it's just like women moaning and then there's like women who are like i gave up my or i got my organs and now i do sex work and i'm like wait how do we <laughs> how do we get here <laughs> how did you go from being this teacher to do that okay um and uh yeah. And you could just tell a man wrote it. More yeah. Than anything else. All the like um, all the women are expendable. And also enough of a catalyst to justify murder. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the big thing. Uh the song in the credits also alludes to Shiloh becoming addicted to Zydrate too. And she has somewhat of a questionable relationship with the grave robber. I don't know if she's becoming a grave rob- robber or she's also like sweet in that she needs to get this any way she can. 
Because it's like this whole song where she's like, uh, I'm here for my cure. And he's like, I'm all out. Amber already got it. And she has this whole like back and forth with him. That's real sus. And I was like, mm. she is. Uh, how old is she now? Like that she's yeah. like, gone on. to Like she's still she was still 17. And top she's 18. Still creepy. Great mm-hmm. robber. Uh, it's a bit messy, to say the least. And <laughs> it makes me sad. But that's what it is. Yeah. And that's all she wrote for me. Um, watch, I mean, like, watch it. I do think it, there's some, some of the songs are fun to yeah. listen to. It's just, like, it's not the best musical by any means. It's just fun. Like, don't go into it serious. Just understand it's going to be, like, wild and mm-hmm. stupid, but fun. Like a goofy time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like as you're saying, like the film, the concept, super interesting. Mm-hmm. The context with which this world exists, super interesting. The implications and I guess like observing humanity element to it is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's like, it's not so far fetched to think that like people who are trash uh, will do these things uh, yeah. within this hypothetical scenario in which this takes place. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I mean, I think there is like an obvious critique, even if from 2008 on capitalism and the commodification of human bodies and its parts Mm -hmm. that is, as lots of people feel like relevant today and to people who exist today. Financial collapse. (laughs) There's a lot going on um, in 2008. And yeah, I think like the way it hit. I did not watch it when I was younger, uh, as Gabe did, uh, but I did watch it now. Uh, so it hit me differently than I think it would have maybe 2008 cat. Um, in that, like, I get that it was about kind of the plastic surgery industry, big pharma and the credit industry. Um, but like in those world of a global pandemic <laughs> and like, just like the medical, the way medicine and yeah. big pharma and like exploitative practices has developed, um, and has existed as it has for as long as it has made it hit differently for me um, with like essentially like the blatant exploitation of human bodies and how that's like super relevant and upsetting. Um, So essentially for me, a reality where human body parts are purchased and sold with the ever present threat of repossession. While that is horrific, it does not seem like a far-fetched concept. Mm -hmm. Um, as I live in a society with the commodification of human bodies as something that's relatively commonplace, uh, organs seem like a believable next step uh, with the system that already values money more than human life, as we kind of like touched on before. I'm considering how the service industry has been actively exploited for profit in a sense of normalcy, like for who, uh, mm-hmm. where life-saving medicine is held behind like locked cabinets and insurance and price walls. I can easily imagine a world where a person just goes around repossessing stuff from people like organs, medicines that would otherwise save their lives, treatments um, Mm -hmm. that if they're not able to afford or no longer able to get like that already happens, not the repossession necessarily, but the lack of possession from onset. Um, And even to an extent, like the crippling way in which the medical industry requires such financial compensation for like more than it's actually required uh for procedures um and that people get into like exponentially insane amounts of debt 
from having kids, from surviving cancer, from surviving anything, honestly, Mm -hmm. um, that's like you're surviving so that you have to work to life threatening levels for the rest of your life to pay off what allowed you to survive. It doesn't, it doesn't seem practical. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's not an equivalent exchange. Yeah. It's very exploitative. It's purely oriented towards creating more people who are indebted to this capitalistic society and will serve it. um, Ultimately benefiting the people like uh, what was it? Rhodey. Yeah. Um, the Trumps of our world, the Bezos is the people who have money and actively hurt people to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we've covered medical exploitation like multiple times uh, mm-hmm. in our previous episodes and the layers in which capitalism, the patriarchy and racism all kind of just team up mm-hmm. work together. Uh, Best buds. Yeah. To oppress people is as always super gross and super sad um it is musical time so it's a little fun but i can't i don't know i can't let people enjoy things i guess because this is it's just, the world sucks man. Yeah, i mean <laughs> i don't really know how else to say it but uh the horrors that surround the organ transplant industry specifically which is something i learned about like today uh or in the research of this episode i did not know like the full depth of what's happening um, it provides our usual dose of, wow, people suck. People are trash. This is a trash society and trash people and trash humanity and just, ew. Um, so specifically, I guess I like to get into it. When we look at how organ transplants are decided, red flags like immediately stand out. Specifically, like the language used in how transplant recipients are decided is very vague and seems inherently, unfortunately, because of how the U.S. exists, Um, it acts as a way to separate transplant access based on economic and because of the way America is racial terms. Um, in fact, according to the United Network for Organ Sharing, organ allocation is decided based on the following factors. Um, there's the obvious ones like blood type, medical factors that weigh into the allocation of every organ that is donated but each organ type has its own individual distribution policy which reflects factors unique to each organ type so organs that have more preservation elements to them they can last longer outside of the human body the distance to a hospital is less of a impact but for a lot of them you end up being forced to have to reside near these hospitals and that those factors actually like greatly influence your ability to receive organs. So for example, kidneys, the factors are the largest, like you have the most options when it comes to kidneys, because one, you can receive things from living donors, um, as well as deceased donors. Um, and the factors that go into getting kidney for donation both for receiving and donating are a little more loose Uh, you have waiting time donor recipient immune system compatibility prior living donor so like if you gave a kidney before and you need one now uh, you're more likely to be able to receive one Um, distance from donor hospital uh, as well as survival benefit, which kind of indicates like what is your status currently that would signify that you will likely live a long life. 
um, and pediatric status. So if you are a younger person, you are not an adult, you get extra points in their gauge system um, because you're going to under this assumption that you'll live a longer life and benefit more from this organ because you're young. Um, when you get to things more like lungs, liver, and hearts, the things that make those organs available to you kind of shortens that list that makes it possible shortens. Um, lungs, you can still have survival benefit, medical urgency play a role, waiting time, as well as pediatric status, um, as well as the kind of consistent one that is always in consideration is distance from donor hospital. So the liver and heart specifically have a very different window of opportunity, if that makes sense. Um, so when thinking about that, there's obvious disparities that kind of exist with the distribution of organs, specifically in, in the necessity for individuals receiving these organs to be near these hospitals. If you think about the fact that it is likely, and based on the data, it does suggest that this is true, um, that most of the hospitals are located away from BIPOC neighborhoods, uh, away from poorer neighborhoods, and are most prevalent in white and uh, affluent neighborhoods. Um, and there's obvious implications of inequity that exist from that fact alone. Um, so economic status also plays a role in reference to location, but it also plays a really big role in reference to like access to insurance um, and ability to pay for these procedures in the first place. Um, but if we're looking at the organs, the ones that exist, like, we have the most time kidneys exist. You can have for 24 to 36 hours. Um, they can exist outside of a human body and still be viable for donation. Um, pancreases are 12 to 18 hours as well. And liver is eight to 12 heart and lungs are only four to six hours. So that's where it becomes really important that you are closely located uh, to these hospitals. The data for organ transplants from dead donors, so people who have it on their license that you can take their organs after they're gone or like have signed up for the donor list post-life, um, is publicly available and unfortunately seems to support the claim. Um, to date, white Americans have received 10,105 out of the 16,035 total organs that have been donated. Black Americans have received 2,705 Hispanic Americans have received 2,395, Asian Americans 563, American Natives 122, Pacific Islanders 56, and multiracial individuals 88. Um, this list spans from the years 1988 to 2021. This data does not include live kidney transplantation from what I understand, which holds different but similar, similarly disparaging data. Um, the amount of individuals in need of life-saving organ transplants, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, is over 120,000 people who currently occupy a wait list. Um, in an article titled Ethnic Disparities in Liver Transplantation by Nianji Kemmer, the largest disparity in access to these like life-saving procedures is insurance. 
The article states that all, according to the National Healthcare Disparities Report, health insurance is the key barrier to health care access among Black and Hispanic patients. In the population-based study using the NIS data, Black and Hispanic patients with cirrhosis were less likely to have private insurance, but more likely to be insured by Medicaid than white patients. In a large cohort of potential liver transplantation ca candidates, it was found that a strong association between insurance status and the likelihood of referral for evaluation for liver transplantation existed. In the study, potential candidates with commercial or private insurances were more likely to be referred or evaluated for liver transplantation. And although this study did not provide ethnic-specific data, it provides ins insights to the critical role that health insurance specifically plays in affecting like accessibility to these transplants. Um, when it comes to live donors of kidneys, an article from John Hopkins Medicine titled Disparity Persists racial and ethnic minority patients still less likely than white patients to get live donor kidney transplants written by Shanapa Tanti Ban Chachai. They go through some of these factors that influence these disparities and specifically the findings posted by the American Medical Association showed that in the study, 453,162 adult first-time kidney transplant candidates nationwide exist. Overall, the insist Incidence, I'm sorry, overall, the incidence of live donor kidney transplantation increased from 1995 to 2014 among white patients from 7% to 11.4% and among Asian patients, 5.1% to 5.6%, but decreased over the same time period among black patients from 3.4 to 2.9 and Hispanic patients from 6.8 to 5.9. The article goes on to outline like the extensive need for life live kidney donation as over 700,000 patients in the U.S. have currently been diagnosed with end-stage kidney disease. Um, with the need, however, there are factors that keep BIPOC candidates both from the recipient as well as the donor pool, um, such as illnesses such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and kidney disease that disproportionately affect Black and Hispanic communities. Um, a large barrier to donor and recipient status also revolves around this price and the access to insurance. Um, this extends both for like the bill for care as well as like an inability to take days off work for recovery. Um, because of the way that the system exists is that so many people are unable to like survive based on the wages that they have um, and do not have the ability to take days off for things that such as life-saving surgeries. So it's either that or death. Um, and sometimes either way, death is what happens and it's horrible. <laughs> um, but essentially both of these pathways to receiving and donating organs are skewed to favor economically well, more well-off individuals who have private insurance um, and thus inherently discriminatory towards race and class because of the structure and systems within our country. This is like a lot can be said about organs specifically, but this doesn't even like touch on the fact that there is such a paywall that exists just for basic health needs, annual doctor's visits, uh, such a medicine specialists, things that people need for survival. Uh, the, yeah, big talking points for insulin, inhalers, EpiPens, things that like people need as like restorative ongoing treatment options and that exist behind a paywall that without insurance, lots of people just can't get them. Kids who have asthma just don't get to breathe now. Like that's just the verdict. People won't survive from these 
pay gaps that basically make it impossible for people to afford medicine. Um, as someone who does need medicine to survive, this is like super real. When I lost insurance, I couldn't afford to get my inhalers. Even when I was on insurance, most of my inhalers were like $100 per each one and I need a new one each month. Um, and when you're not making a lot of money, that's really hard to maintain. Yeah. Like imagine children, literal like tiny babies who need inhalers and not even just inhalers, but EpiPens or um, the treat like asthma treatments that extend past inhalers you need like a whole nebulizer machine um those things also are extremely expensive and if you don't cover for grants or qualify for like the specific programs that do aid these issues the moral of the story is that these issues shouldn't exist there shouldn't have to be nonprofits to handle this stuff like it shouldn't cost that much that system should not need a band-aid it should just not exist and it should there should be actual solutions yeah people um, shouldn't die for something that is there like if medicine exists that can keep you alive you should be able to have it that's it yes like no one 100%. should be dying for something that's right there mm-hmm. yeah and i mean it's all super gross it's all super gross and there i said so many sources for this episode and i was not even able to like get through every single one it seems like this is like there is a lot going on in reference to like organs and specifically like the pay gaps between like people's ability to get these procedures. And like the one that upset me the most is just like the fact that most of our population is worked to the point that like they do not get paid enough to live at the end of the day. Um, so they're being forced into these instances of debt or are not even able to get the procedures that they need for survival because they can't not work because they're being paid so little. Um, yeah. And it's all just super gross and upsetting. And I wish it wasn't a thing mm -hmm. uh, in terms of ways to help. I still need to kind of gather my list. Honestly, uh, there are organizations that do, raise funds for this there are nonprofits that exist to try to make this process easier but it's also super upsetting that those nonprofits have to exist and that the government doesn't just do it like that the, their job is to help people and they don't yeah there there shouldn't need nonprofits to do it mm -hmm. it just shouldn't exist yeah and it's also um, like if you're gonna cover this topic in your musical about organ repossession that maybe you should have some BFPOC in it um like Alexa Vega I believe is is Latina but like <laughs> you know like white passing for sure mm -hmm. and like where's the rest of them like in your post-apocalyptic future are those were they the first to go I guess like and now we're just left with white folks uh yeah and it's super sad so it's happy musical time, but also uh, the reality of the world is just like, I had a family member ask me like, why I'm such a downer essentially recently. And I was like, um, it's cause I'm always reading about how awful society is um, at all moments. So how can I be happy optimism time? I feel like if anything that just lulls us into a full sense of security and then nothing will ever change. Um, so we all yeah. need to just be really angry always. Yeah. Well, it's um, like somebody's got to be.
be mad. Like someone's going to be upset. Somebody got to do it. Be paying attention. That's the mm-hmm. price for paying attention is that you're going to be mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, I feel like that happens a lot in all of our episodes and just like people being like, it's horror, it's fun. And then we're like, let's tell you about the reality and it's awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just like what we do. So, um, yeah, it is what it is, I think. Um, and we're going to continue to be that, like, all the time. Yeah. No matter, even if it's happy, fun, musical times, it's still awful. Yeah, I mean, the veil has been lifted at this point. You're not going back. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to. Yeah, yeah. It feels gross. It feels very gross yeah. to even have the... I don't think the option exists, but if it did, like, no. Yeah. And I don't think, like, our show could ever be not that. So... Mm-hmm. hopefully you enjoy it friends yeah oh yeah hopefully you're enjoying it make sure you check out our our show notes for um informations about how to try to protect this uh if you love this film this musical let us know um you know if you go to one of those reenactments i'd love to see a picture of you dressed up if you did uh kat and i went to rocky horror uh, yeah, I would love to go to a reenactment. I feel like it might be better because it's organized in such a way. Yeah, like it might um, be fun. I mm-hmm. can bring out my blind mag again. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> my regular mag. Ordinary mm-hmm. mag. <laughs> Amazing opera singer mag. Like, why isn't yeah. that? Anyway, uh, yeah. So that's our, our you know, facts-heavy musical episode. We'll have a guest next week, and then we'll have another facts-heavy musical episode but we're doing musicals for two months so i hope you like them i hope that you're enjoying them because you watch them before you listen to us yeah and i'm sorry if you hated this one (laughs) and if you're sad maybe go listen because honestly when you said that game was like immediately was in my head is what can i say except you're You're welcome welcome. yeah there's Um, a lot of moana it's super fun yeah that's a good musical um (laughs) empowering representation yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh it's great uh well with that being said don't get married they'll eat your kids yeah and or uh yeah just sad they'll take your kids organs or you're the Ooh. repo person and you to protect your they're not protecting by proxy your, you're actually kid? doing bad yeah don't maybe do that. just don't get married or have kids in this specific instance yeah in this dystopian if, world that we already live in yeah <laughs> if you want to have kids though i mean i'm not gonna tell you not to it's just yeah more so but just keep it in mind yeah we could have just this. be aware it's right around the corner <laughs> it's happening it's a little too too soon uh yeah but yeah definitely remember to like and subscribe and listen to us check us out uh we want to hear from you and yeah okay goodbye all right Bye. yeah assassin murder monster Ooh.